Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome, Nerdorinos, to another exciting episode of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. My name is Matt Hinshaw, living in the snow-filled mountains of Prescott. With me, as always, my good buddy, off on the other side of the planet, mysterious Mike Talent. Hey, everybody. So, Mike, how's your uh, Facebook page going? Has anybody liked it yet? Uh, Yes, uh, it was a struggle, but I ended up liking my own uh, due to you giving me an invite to like my own uh, page. And uh, you have liked it, so I'm, I'm killing it. You are, man. You're lighting it up like Christmas. So it, for those of you who uh, want to follow Mysterious Mike Talent, who probably won't ever post anything to Facebook, it'll probably be me posting on his behalf. Uh, it is facebook.com slash Mysterious Mike Talent. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> yes. That thing. It uh, does the Facebooks. There's nothing on there yet, but I swear we will get stuff on there eventually. So, Mike, what incredible tributary movie are we talking about today? All right. uh, So today we're talking about Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, This movie was directed by Dan Gilroy, uh, written by Dan Gilroy. It's starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, Zawi Ashton, I probably screwed that up, Tony Collette, uh, Tom Sturridge, and Natalia Dyer from um, Stranger Things. And it is about... After a series of paintings by an unknown artist are discovered, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who have allowed their greed to get in the way of art. Well, sweet, Mike. So, uh, speaking of art and uh, art show openings, Mike, what are you drinking today? (sighs) So, I am drinking uh the same beer that i was drinking in the last pod which is uh the big storm brewing winter ale uh dunder and blixen you just don't want to mix it up you just want to keep the same thing or is that just what you got in the fridge no that's just what i got in the fridge man i'm just trying to get through it so i can get to the next one man all right then well mike i am as you pointed out earlier drinking what you referred to as vitamin g Oh, man. Some Guinness? Everybody loves some Guinness, man. Vitamin G does the body good. Everyone should have it. There's nothing like a good, nice, dark Guinness stout in the winter. Yeah, and it's actually lighter than you think it is, and it has less calories than you you would have thought. Yeah, I don't care. I just like the taste of it because it's Guinness and it's delicious. And it's a uh, good snow beer. Yeah, no, man, that's a great snow beer. Any kind of stout is good for, like, a winter beer, you know? Uh, I know you're suffering through, what is it, 24 inches? How many inches? Of what? Of snow. Oh, 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 oh. I thought you were talking about something else. It was uh, 28 inches at the Courthouse Plaza. Oh, 28. My bad, 28. 
yeah, I'm not sure exactly how many I got at my house, and I don't really care. I just know that I had to physically dig out my truck and my car to get them out of my driveway. So for Arizona, that's a lot of snow. Even Flagstaff, that's a lot of snow. Yeah, yeah. Flagstaff got 40 inches in at least a day, and that's 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 a lot of snow. All right, so Mike, what did you think about Velvet Buds? Velvet Buzzsaw. Uh, so Velvet Buzzsaw was uh, interesting. It's uh, it's a little bit weird, um, but I should expect that because it, it was the guy who did uh, Nightcrawler who made this movie, and um, and Jake Gyllenhaal was in that as well. And you know, I I, I liked it, um, but it's definitely just different. Um, I. I don't know. It kind of brought you into the world of uh, art galleries and showing and showings and artists and different things, which to me is a little bit strange. But Matt, you were saying maybe th- this is you've experienced some of this stuff, not maybe quite to the drastic extremes in this movie, but some kinds of this kind of aspect of art and and the selling of art and buying of art and all that stuff oh yeah i haven't dealt with a whole lot because you know i'm not a famous artist i'm just a stupid photographer but uh when i was in college i dealt with gallery shows i went to many many galleries including some world famous ones in la for one of my classes which that was a unique day it was really really a lot of fun Saw a lot of really cool stuff. I actually went to one of the museums that is featured in this. I don't know if they actually ever show you the actual museum itself. Um, It's kind of hard to tell that because they didn't do the outside. They only really kind of did the inside where the characters were. They might have shot the outside a couple times, but that was the uh, L.A. uh, Museum of Modern Art is a very cool, very cool movie. I mean, not movie, museum. Anyways, yeah, um, I liked this movie a lot just based on the art side and the just flat-out weirdness of it. I mean, I think this is a heck of a lot weirder than Nightcrawler for sure. Nightcrawler had its elements, but it's fairly grounded. Velvet Buzzsaw is not grounded at all. It's really out there. It's really an odd, crazy-ass movie. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely got some different things going on. Um I'll say a little bit more when we get into the spoiler section, but overall, uh, you know, I liked it. It, it, It's it's visually neat, and it's kind of cool to get a different view of of the art world that, you know, for me, I I know nothing about the art world. So it was kind of a cool uh, intro into some of what goes on in the art world. (laughs) Whether that's good or bad, I... I got, you know, something out of that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, most people, unless you're actually in it and you go to museums and you go to galleries and things like that, you really don't care and you really don't pay attention. And even then, the different cultures have their own little worlds. Like, the two biggest art scenes in the country is the two biggest cities in the country. It's L.A. and New York. And L.A. and New York are completely different art scenes in their own right as well. And they don't really cross over much. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. That's why it was real interesting how this film actually opened up in a big art, almost like convention thing in like Miami Beach, which might be a thing. I don't know. I've never heard of it, but 
Yeah, I'm not sure if that was a real event or not, but you're right. It did open up in this like art gala thing in 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 Miami. So yeah, it wasn't really like a gallery. It was more of almost like a uh, convention, if you ask me. I mean, there was stuff set up everywhere, but typically not all galleries, but most galleries tend to be intimate. They tend to be smaller. The artist especially during the opening, is usually there to talk with people and answer questions and things like that. Um, it, you know, this really came off more as cold, especially at the opening, you know. And there's this, you know, the art critic, your main art critic, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, he's just, everybody's like scared to death of him because he basically makes you live or die as an artist. It's, it was really interesting. Yeah, it was interesting to see everybody like, you know, sucking up to him and all this stuff and it's like everywhere he just walks and yeah, it was it was it was kind of you know, it was different for me. Uh I I like kind of seeing that and um Jake Gyllenhaal is a a great actor, so he was he was definitely uh good in this. He he, you know, he put all everything into it. It it definitely was a unique role. Did it inspire you to go see a museum or a gallery, Mike? No, no, it didn't inspire me to go see a museum or a gallery, but uh, it definitely was interesting to see how some of the buying and, and selling of, of art goes down with the people who are actually doing that because they're representing the people that have the money. So it's it, it's kind of an interesting you know, it, it it was almost showing how the, a lot of the very wealthy people don't even really buy the art. They hire people that buy art that tell you that it's good art. Yeah. And that yes, was and that was amazing to me. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and that is kind of a thing, especially if you're wealthy enough. They're like, okay, here's the budget, but I want you to approve it kind of thing. And a lot of times the rich people don't even know what the hell they're getting. They're just like, I want something cool. And then they don't understand the value of it they just think oh it looks pretty kind of thing but that's that's a lot of the art world it's it's extremely extremely subjective either you like it or you don't that's why i've always been kind of against art criticism in a way but it's a lot like movie criticism and things it's either you like it or you don't i mean it's very similar to movies you know what i like isn't necessarily what you like and what my next door neighbor likes and you know so it's just, you gotta, when you get down to the criticism and things like that, it's a lot like how when we talk about movies, it's a lot about the craft and how it affects you and the story and the, how it was done. Yeah, no, you, you're right. When you, you, you break it all down, it's, it's, it's how it affects you. And, you know, did you, do you like it? Did you do not like it? Yeah, and it, just because you don't like something or you do like something doesn't mean that opinion is right or wrong. It's just an opinion. Yeah, yeah, and and you everybody forms their own opinion, and that's fine. So, so you're right, the, the uh, art criticism, or even what we're doing right now, criticizing Velvet Buzzsaw, is, you know, it's all just subjective. This is my opinion, and that's your opinion, and it's up to you to form your own opinion. So... Right. And what I consider what we do really isn't so much a criticism. It's more of a review and explaining why we like said movies or why we didn't like said movies. So I guess it is criticism. I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, 
it's towing the line. I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a criticism, you know? Yeah, but, but we don't sit here and overanalyze stuff, and I don't spend like three hours reviewing the movie and looking up facts and shit. I mean, seriously, you and I, we just go straight from the hip. I have no notes in front of me. None. Yeah, no, I don't have any notes. I, I used to keep a little bit of notes here and there, but it's I haven't done that in a little bit. I, I usually just try and remember what what it made me feel like and we remove the we review the movies you know within the let you know five or less days of seeing it so it's probably like a couple days honestly since we've seen it and just if there's something crazy or like if the movie's just awful sometimes i'll write some notes because it's things just get me so angry but that 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 doesn't happen that much yeah yeah well, anyways, I, I guess enough about us, but uh, I I just, it's interesting because it is a movie about criticism in a way. It is a horror movie. I would say um, it's not a super horror movie. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's more of just a thriller, odd kind of movie, you know? Yeah, I didn't get super scared by anything, but um, it's the thrill. It's the um, kind of the mystery of what's happening so i wouldn't say it's like super scary but uh would i tell you to watch this with your kids no there's some there's some definite kind of gory type scenes in it i mean there's only a couple but they're in there so oh yeah and they're quite graphic yeah yeah that's a good way to put it it is it is a very good kind of mystery it is a lot of whodunit or why this happened or why is this going on and why is you know a lot of whys, I guess, is a good way to describe this one. Yeah, there's a lot of intertwined people and how they keep intertwining and different stuff. And it was interesting to see how intricate all of this uh, culture was in this particular, like, I don't know, I guess, group that we're following. And everybody knows everybody and how they all interact and all the different things and who's dating who and why and things like that. So it it was, it it was, it was cool. Yeah. And then they start looking outside the circle at this new artist. And then that's when everything starts going downhill fast. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, isn't this the second movie where it's been Dan Gilroy, Rene Russo and Jake Gyllenhaal? Cause wasn't Rene Russo in Nightcrawler as well? She was, she was, she was the, um, editor for the news station the one of the main ones that jake gyllenhaal won to and i think they even had a romantic um interest entanglement yeah entanglement there you go <laughs> oh dude that was good that, good word good word man but anyways yeah because i don't know if it was so much romantic but it was uh yeah anyways so i just thought of that that it's not just Jake Gyllenhaal and Dan Gilroy, but it's the three, the three kind of main people of Velvet Buffs uh, and Nightcrawler. So, yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, speaking of Rene Russo, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Dan Gilroy, Mike, how does Velvet Buzzsaw relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? So, uh, you know, uh, thanks for asking, Matt. And a little bit of a confession. 
Um, Matt was telling me that I should put Jake Gyllenhaal because he's in the next Spider-Man movie that's not released yet. But I decided to use Rene Russo, who has already been in uh, some Marvel movies. Uh, she was in Thor The Dark World and Thor as Frigga, uh, Thor's mom. I still think Jake Gyllenhaal counts, even though the movie's not out yet. All right, all right, but I just, I was just letting everybody know what I was thinking. You just always have to one up me with Thor's mommy, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert: she dies, and it's depressing. <sighs> Man. Hey, dude, those movies have been out for a while, and the one she dies in, I wouldn't recommend anyone seeing, anyways. Hmm. That movie was bad. All Thor right. the Dark World was was bad. It was not a good movie. It was not the best. That was that was like let's see. It was a is, Thor movie, is but that it wasn't a great one. The worst Marvel movie that that um you can think of off the top of your head? Like the worst as in the worst that I didn't like? The worst in as far as from Iron Man to now, is that the worst Marvel movie? In my opinion, or the worst, like, no, in at your, the box office? No, no, in your opinion. No, no, no not the box office. No, we don't care about that. Um, I don't know if it's my most hated one. It's definitely towards the top, though. Okay. I was just wondering, because I kind of felt like, in my mind, that is likely the worst one that they've done. I'd have to think about it for a minute, but I think I would probably agree with you because nothing else is really popping up in my head that I really just disliked as much as that one. Like, the original Thor wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible like Thor of the Dark World. I mean, Thor of the Dark World was really bad. Yeah, but then, you know, they came out with Thor Ragnarok and just kicked it up like... Which is amazing. A lot of levels, and that was good, so... Yeah, I'm just trying to think... Of all the MCU movies, you know, the the main MCU movies, I just, I can't really think of any ones that I full on say I didn't like. I mean, there's some that I like better than others, but I definitely think The Dark World is one that I openly can say I really did not like. Okay. Yeah. Me, huh. me, me too. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, let's get back to our uh, Velvet Buzzsaw review. The name is a freaking awesome name. And then how they reveal where it came from was even more interesting. And then how it didn't relate to the movie at all until the very last scene was really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I really had no idea why it was called Velvet Buzzsaw. And then really the end happens. And huh. Yeah, exactly. This is nothing else you could really say. Yeah. Um, Matt, uh, are we going to do, is it spoiler time? Are we spoiler yeah. time? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's why I started right. getting out talking that way, but I wasn't going to reveal the ending anyway. So no, no, I'm not going to reveal the ending. Well, but what, yeah, go ahead. Spoil. Well, go. What I will say is this movie reminded me a lot of, uh, the ring, um, in, in certain aspects because there's kind of supernatural things happening to people who mess with stuff. Yeah, you know. Uh, so it's like the paintings, but reverse with the ring. Where if you saw the videotape, 
you you know that was it we're on here if you prop profited from the paintings you uh didn't see the next day kind of thing yeah that's what it kind of reminded me of like there's this thing going around and it's kind of viral but it's really targeted and for this it's it's if you profited on on the art yeah because uh lots and lots and lots of people see the art because they have a a show with it and no one from the show dies except for those that made money off of the artwork in some way shape or form yeah, it was definitely th- that as that aspect of the movie reminded me of the ring. One thing that I thought I thought the paintings were going to be like killer paintings, but clearly it's not. Um, it's what the spirits that cr- I think it's probably the old man spirit that's doing it, that's going after them, that's in the paintings, but he doesn't necessarily use the paintings, like um. Yeah, but he messes with them with the paintings. Right. Like uh the one the the very first guy that dies, the dude that's driving the truck. Yeah. Like it pulls out and he's in the painting that's at the gas station. He's not you know, in the painting that he was in the paintings he was transporting or anything like that. Right. Which was real. Yeah. You know, so it's they they mess with you, but it's not necessarily the artwork itself so that's why i think it's a little bit broader than the artwork it's more about the spirit of the man that created the artwork and how screwed up he was yeah 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 definitely um even some of the aspects of this movie where they research you know the the origins of of the man and the art and stuff it reminded me kind of of the ring and that kind of like you know, you're you're building up to figure out what's going on with these this character. So it, it was, it, it, in that way, this just reminded me a lot of that. And I've seen way too many horror movies, so this could be my horror, horror, um, you know, interpretation. But yeah, that's know. all good, man. You know, um, one thing that and this is from a uh, production standpoint that just blew my freaking mind. Uh the big giant uh sphere thing mm-hmm. which is a really cool interesting piece of art if you ask me. But every single time you see a shot of that sphere thing and they're up there really close with the camera and the whole crew and everything, they would be reflected in that sphere and I still can't figure out how the hell they were able to shoot those scenes and not have themselves in it. Oh, they probably just edited it out in post. I'm sure it was probably digital or something, but I just was like, man, they paid really good attention to this, that they cut themselves out of this massive reflection. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, they should have been in that. But, I mean, look at the... Another thing I was going to bring up is the cast. I mean, outside of Jake Gyllenhaal and Renee Russo, I mean, it has a pretty freaking good cast. You know, oh yeah, Tony Collette. Oh yeah, no, Tony Collette, John Malkovich, John Malkovich. Yeah, there's so many good actors. This is a, this is a good movie. Uh, you know, one thing I was questioning, Matt. So I know you you said this was uh, screened at uh, f- was it film uh, Sundance Sundance. Yeah, and so when I watched this on Netflix, it said rated R, and I was like, 
Was this released to the theaters? Because I feel like it's straight to Netflix, but is the, um, uh, what, are, what are they called? The movie association rating movies that are coming to Netflix? No. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure how the story goes. I'd have to look it up, but I believe I heard somewhere that this was going to come out as a movie in the theaters and Sundance was its premiere. And then they were going to try and get it into the movie theaters. Like what most, you know, film festivals are doing is usually small, independent, smaller films that they try and get someone to pick it up and put it into the movie theaters. Yeah. And instead of Sun. You know, it being picked up by a big production company at Sundance and released in the movie theaters, Netflix picked it up and released it while Sundance was still going on. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, okay. So, but it had already been released somehow to the MPA, like, because it was weird that it said well, rated R. To, yeah. To open it up to the, even at Sundance, I think it still has to be re- rated by the MPAA. Ah, and okay. So, so that's, that's where it is. That's where it is. Okay. Right. And it was a public showing at Sundance to a degree. I mean, it would be tough to go see it, but it's still, there's pe- members of the general public that go to Sundance, mostly the people that live there and a bunch of film critics and actors and stuff like that. But still, you could buy a ticket and walk in and watch the, pre- the premiere of Velvet Buzzsaw when it came out. And so then it technically would have been released. Yeah, we we could have gone to Sundance and watched a movie or two, and then now it's public. Yeah, so, okay, it was released, uh, again, I'm trying not to type stuff in, but it was uh, released at Sundance Film Festival, its premiere, January 27th, 2019. But its internet release date, which has just about every single country you can imagine listed here, including the United States, was February 1st of 2019. So it really seems like Netflix bought it and a couple days later went, okay, boom. (laughs) That's actually kind of cool. Like, I mean, the filmmakers probably like, wow. Like, because now it's everywhere. Like, and. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want the theaters to go away, but I definitely see streaming just taking on such a huge role in everything. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's interesting to, to see stuff like that happen. Like, I mean, they bought it and what, three days later it's, it's up on the internet and everyone can watch it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you made something and then they're like, all right. Uh, just give us that copy and, uh, we'll put that on the internet and, uh, it'll be out, uh, in a couple days. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that's what happened. I can't confirm cause I don't want to type on my keyboard, but uh, I heard somewhere that's what happened. Wow. And under, and under distributors, it has Netflix, you know, it says, uh, theatrical distribution, Netflix in the USA, uh, Netherlands, uh, Netflix, Singapore, Netflix. You know? Yeah, that's just amazing. Like as an artist, it's probably thrilling and somewhat like crazy that just Netflix can be like, "Yeah, we've released your stuff. It's all over the world." Well, have you seen recently where um and he's 
been quoted many times on this, uh, how bad Steven Spielberg is just tearing apart streaming right now. Uh, yeah, I, I saw some stuff that he he dislikes it, and he wants us to go to the theaters forever. And, you know, I agree with him to a point. I, I, I definitely still enjoy watching movies in a theater. Uh, unfortunately, Matt, I, I feel like your theater is always messed up with all your terrible experiences. But yeah, I, I like the idea of going to a completely different place and in, in viewing in a you know premium quality content and and no pausing of movies and no doing this like you you're completely immersed so i i love that aspect of the theater and i really hope that that still stays but it is uh it's definitely changing with all the 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 streaming content and the quality of the streaming content, man, like Amazon and Netflix and um, even uh, uh, what, Hulu. Yep. Hulu has, I don't know if they do a whole lot of movies, but they definitely do TV shows. The, what, what the, the brides? No, no. Uh, Handmaid's Tale is a TV hand, show. Yeah. No, yeah. Handmaid's Tale uh, is, has won rave reviews and so it's like all these things it's like man i don't know i just feel like a lot of the traditional media that the way that it was is kind of dying and over but i don't want movies to go away i want movies to be at the theater so i want netflix to release movies to the theater even if it's a week that's fine well, my thing is with the theaters is a lot of what you said about it's an experience. You're there. You can't hit pause. You can't hit stop. But one of the big things for me going to the theater is there's certain movies that that's how I really want to see that movie. Granted, it's good at home. It's a hell of a lot better than it's ever been in my entire life nowadays. I mean, you know... You can afford a 65-inch TV. I mean, I remember watching, you know, the first time I saw Star Wars on a shitty little tube TV that was probably 20 inches, you know? And now I have these monstrosity HD 65-inch surround sound TVs for, you know, a few hundred bucks. I mean, it's really incredible. The home viewing experience has really just skyrocketed in recent years, but for me, it's still not at the level of sitting in a theater. Like, if I ever had the money, I would love to get a house where I could have my own home theater in it because I want that experience. And I would throw down and have a really good surround sound system and have a projector. And, you know, granted, it would be a digital projector, not a, you know, a legit projector, just be one. But I would really love to have that in my own home because that's how I like to see a lot of certain movies, especially... Um, big action movies, um, really incredible cinematography movies, like, um, you know, uh, um, God, now I'm drawing a blank. Like um, Sicario. Sic- Sicario, yeah. The, the best way ever to watch Sicario is in a movie theater on a giant screen. Oh. It really is. Oh, yeah. That has some really cool cinematography stuff, or, or even the new, um, wow. The robot movie 2049, um, blanking. Uh, oh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2049. Oh, beautiful. It's beautiful like, that's a movie. movie. Like, if you, yeah. if, if you would see that at home 
and then go and watch it in the theater, it wouldn't have the same impact as if you see it in the theater and then watch it at home later because the, it's that good. It's that pretty. The sound, A Quiet Place is another great example. A Quiet Place, the cinematography was great, but not at the level of Blade Runner. But the sound in that, I mean, it was amazing. You're sitting at home, your phone's going off, you're, you hear the furnace running, you're doing your dishes or whatever. It's all distracting from that experience. So, but then on the other, on the flip, the coin, Velvet Buzzsaw is an okay example. It, it probably would have been nice in a theater, but it's not a must. It's not one where I have to see it in the theater because it's going to impact me. Or um, a lot of the animated flicks, except for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, like the Wreck-It Ralph 2, you know, if I would have seen that at home instead of the theater, I think it would have had the exact same impact versus seeing it in a theater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's yeah. I guess it it varies, but I I really my my worry is that the theaters will go away, and then we'll all just be stuck watching media at home, and not. I mean, just like you said, Matt, the ex- home experience can be amazing, but it really is up to you, the user, to make it amazing. So you would have to make sure that you keep up with all the different technologies, getting the four, cre- uh, you know, the four K screens and the, you know, having the darkest blacks and having, you know, surround sound at seven point one or the Atmos whatever Dolby Atmos certification, all these things, yeah. and that just that's really hard for us and 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 cost, uh, you know these. It costs quite a bit to do all that stuff, but can you do it? Absolutely. But But then you start throwing in the other factor, Mike, like you and I don't have this issue yet, especially you, but throw in children and the mailman coming by and anything else. They're all going to interrupt you. You're going to have to stop the movie. It's going to take you out. It's going to change your headspace. I, I see a place for both in the future. It's just I don't think we're going to get quite as many movies in the theaters, and there probably won't be quite as many people going, which is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. We might actually see a contraction of the amount of theaters in, in the country. But I just really don't want theaters to go away. So um, I kind of agree a little bit with Steven Spielberg because it it's an experience, and it it is something that is – is fun for me. It's always been great just to go there and relax. And now there's all these theaters coming out with like reclining chairs and all this kind of premium experience. And that's cool too. So, well, uh, and I think that's, what's going to help save the theaters is the quote unquote premium experience. Because now people are like, Oh, well I can go like uh, the Alamo draft house. I can go and I can eat dinner, have a beer, and watch a movie and I'm not going to be interrupted by the people around me. It's going to be completely silent or it goes the other way. And it's like, Oh, it's going to be fun. Cause it's a sing along or it's because I could shoot the Nerf guns at the whatever it's, they're really capitalizing on that. And the Alamo draft house, as you see is just blowing up right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's, that's pretty neat. Um, I can't wait to see a movie with you at the Alamo draft house. So dude, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. But then, you know, you go the other way, like some of the bad experiences you and I have both had. If you and I weren't such avid moviegoers, like, 
the people that were in the theater with me, they might just be like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to go to the movie theater anymore. People are going to sit here and talk through it. And so then you get the people that only go to a movie maybe once or twice a month that are now going to be only going maybe once or twice a year because someone ruined their experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good for the industry. And then another one, I mean, I don't want to, you know, tear apart the movie theaters themselves, but sometimes the employees at the movie theaters aren't a whole lot of fun. You know, sometimes the, the, the sodas are screwed up. Sometimes the popcorn is bad. You know, if you want to keep people coming to the theaters, you got to make sure and put out a good product, just like anything else. You know, especially in a smaller town like Prescott, word of mouth travels like wildfire here, man. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. So... It's yeah, it's not as bad as say a restaurant because there's a billion restaurants. There's only two movie theaters. But if someone has a bad experience, you know, they might just stop going and then they'll go tell their friends and their friends and whatever. But you and I, you know, it's different. We'll go no matter what. We know that that one bad experience is one out of a uh, hundred experiences. So Yeah, no, I continue to watch movies. I mean, I've had lots of bad experiences, but yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, that when it hits that one person where it's not their everyday movie going, well, not every day, but like two or three times a week like we are, and they're the two or three times a month, and they ha- the one time they go that month or twice they go that month, they have really bad experiences, they're not going to go back. And you yeah. can't do that. you got to try and make every experience not so much special, but you want to keep it on a level playing field. Yeah, yeah. So Anyways, uh, we could Matt, talk about an entire podcast just on this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've we've talked too much about this stuff. Um, I, I I guess I'll quickly mention uh, next week we were we were thinking about doing uh, Green Lantern as a, a request uh, that we haven't gotten to, and then um, what was the other one that we're thinking of, Matt? Mike. Really? Lost City of Z. It's the one you want to see on Amazon. It's a tributary. Yes, Lost City of Z. Man, I'm I'm in the zone. I'm I'm, I'm podcasting. We're 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 I got zoning. you thinking. I know, man. I got you thinking, yeah. especially about the you know side of the artsy side of the mo- movie going experience and things. But all right, so Mike, since we're gonna go ahead and jump into it, I mean, we could talk about this all day. I figured we would talk about the movie a little bit more, but it's okay. Um. I really liked Velvet Buzzsaw a lot. I thought it was great. I liked the critiques on the art world. Uh, a lot of the cynicism on the art world. It uh, makes fun of the art world in some ways if you've ever dabbled in the art world, especially how some of the guys come off. I mean, Jake Joan Hall's character is a homosexual, but yet he's dating a woman. And it's just, it's so funny in a lot of those aspects. Um, <laughs> it just, it it's odd. Uh, it won't make up its mind. But I, again, I really like this movie. I think I probably liked it more than you. I give it four out of five reels. I really enjoyed Velvet Buzz. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. You definitely liked it more than me. Um, I, I'm giving it three out of five reels. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was really cool about the art world and, and the stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, to me, it was just a kind of an average movie. Uh, I mean, not bad, not bad at all. Like very well done. All the visual stuff was cool. They they did a 
I think they did a good job of, of representing um, kind of art galleries and different things and kind of that whole world. And so, uh, yeah, I just give it three out of five reels for me. Yeah, I, I, loved, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, it's especially if you have dabbled in that world, if you go to museum gallery shows and stuff and you see the art dealers and you see the art critics and how pretentious they are. I mean, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot like Hollywood in a lot of ways. I mean, honestly, you know, they're just, they have this look, they have this air about them. They, their shit doesn't stink kind of things. Some of them. And it's just, he really, you know, Dan Gilroy really nailed a lot of that in this. And I, I just like that. So. Yeah, nice, nice man. No, no, that's great. Anyways, all right. Well, Mike, uh, I guess that's uh, that'll wrap her up. I don't really have much else uh, other than uh, you know you're missing out if you don't watch this one on Netflix for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. You should definitely. I I, I would say you should watch this on Netflix. Um, it's not something to watch with the kids around, but uh, you know it's it's definitely interesting and it's different. So. I enjoy promoting different content, and uh, yeah, so everyone should watch this who has a Netflix account, or at least a login. Definitely, definitely. I mean, seriously, it was it was fun. It was different. It was unique. Um, I think probably Nightcrawler is still a little bit better, but it's this is still one of one of Dan Gilroy's most fun films for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man, and um. So, uh, I guess with that, uh, I'll, uh, go ahead and wrap us up. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, catch you on the next pod. Thank you for listening to the Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.